Welcome to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. On today's episode, we will recap Wichita State's 83-79 road victory over Ole Miss. We'll also get you ready for two big conference matchups this week, Wednesday's game at Houston. To help us preview the Cougars, we'll be joined by Houston beat writer Joseph Dorte. We'll also get you ready for Sunday's matchup with Cincinnati. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Wichita State comes back to win 83-79 on the road at Old Miss this past Saturday. Tyson Etienne has a career-high 29 points. Taylor, you texted us after the game and said, simply, Tyson's a baller. Yeah, he's uh, just an unreal performance from what we saw down in Oxford. And, you know, absolutely when WSU needed it, too. I mean, that's, that's what makes it even more clutch for him to come up with 19 of those 29 in the second half when, uh, you know, WSU, I mean, I looked it up on Ken Palm, you know, 7% win probability when they got down by seven with under eight minutes left. So that's a really, really impressive road victory. And, you know, a lot of the credit goes to Tyson at the end for, you know, his shot making and, you know, some of those, some of those three pointers were just insane. You know, I, I tweeted during the game, it, it kind of felt like watching, you know, Damian Lillard out there, you know, watching him shoot that far beyond the arc. So um, I'm sure Shocker fans love, love seeing that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, you know, well on his way to, you know, becoming, you know, one of the most beloved Shockers, you know, in, in recent history. At one point, he scored 11 straight Shocker points in the second half. He's averaging 17 points per game this season, which ranks fourth in the AAC. Uh, you know, if you look at the box score, and this was the case uh, these last couple games, it didn't look like the Shockers should have won the game. They were plus three in rebounding, which we've been talking about a lot. But when it came to points off of turnovers, you know, Shockers had 16 turnovers. Ole Miss had 31 points off of those turnovers. The Shockers were minus 17 in points off of turnovers. Uh, the bench didn't do that great. Not really great in the paint, but when it when it mattered, they had guys that stepped up and made big shots. We also talked on last week's show, if they just get a little bit more from Dexter Dennis and a little bit more from Trey Wade, if those guys play closer to their average or closer to the mean, then that really makes them a tough team to beat. We saw Dexter Dennis with 10 points and Trey Wade with 9 points and some big shots late in the game. Yeah, I mean, those two guys, uh, you know, obviously Tyson got them in that situation late. And then, you know, down the stretch, like you said, Dexter Dennis, Trey Wade coming up with huge shots uh, down the stretch. Uh, I thought Trey Wade, uh, his three-pointer, WSU had actually gone down. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to remember that. But, you know, they, they made that rally behind Etienne. And then, you know, they, they fall back behind 74-73. They absolutely needed a basket in the last three minutes. And Trey Wade was there to, to step up and hit a three. And, uh, you know, you think back to, you know, two weeks ago at South Florida, he had another big one in the final minute to help push the, to extend the lead in that game too. So, um, like I said, in my story, I mean, he's only shooting, I think under 20% now for the, the season, he's only made four three pointers this whole season, but two of them have been in, you know, huge moments for the shockers. So, 
um, that's a credit to Isaac Brown because, you know, a lot of coaches would have, you know, maybe benched uh, Trey Wade just because of the lack of, you know, the, or the, the poor shooting start, but, you know, he stuck with them. He, he put him back in that starting lineup and, you know, Trey Wade delivered because, you know, you look at his final stat line, um, you know, 10 rebounds, team high, five assists, team high. And, you know, some of those assists were, you know, pretty generous from the, the statistician. But, you know, Trey Wade, he had a, a key uh, assist in the, down the stretch. That baseline jumper that Dexter Dennis made, it was actually because, you know, Trey uh, put it on the floor, drew a, drew the help def- defense and kicked it to Dexter for a wide open shot. So um, and then, you know, down the stretch, he got four of the last six defensive rebounds uh, uh, for WSU. And, you know, in a game where the three centers combined for one defensive rebound in 40 minutes, you know, Trey Wade's seven defensive rebounds were even more crucial. So I thought he played a really, really good game. Um, and then, and then Dexter Dennis, you know, he, he just, he, uh, he had a really good shooting game, but he was just, you know, stuck in foul trouble the whole game. But, but like you said, you know, when the Shockers needed him. Uh, he, he was able to step up and make that shot late. Altariq Gilbert had 14 points. The Shockers are 14-5 and five in true road games since February 2019. They've now won five straight. The biggest thing that this game does for this team, in my opinion, is it gives it confidence. You saw the great video with Coach Brown after the game in the locker room where he said, hey, you know, you guys can win the American Athletic Conference if you go out and play like that. Well, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about we have some tough matchups ahead starting with Wednesday's game at Houston. But you, you start to see the ceiling for this team raise up a little bit. And now, you know, can they get to that upper tier where we're talking about potentially winning the AAC and making a run to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, and uh, I kind of wrote about that a little too after the game was that, you know, IB is definitely living up to his players coach reputation. You know, you think back to, you know, what Rashard Kelly said about him uh, right after he was hired and how, how many former Shockers just raved about playing for him. Well, you know, you're starting to see kind of the, the differences in an IB led Shockers team. And, and like I said, I, I was on, you know, radio uh, this morning with, you know, Bruce and Shane and, I said that, uh, I mean, it's not a knock on Greg Marshall. I mean, he, he did things his own way. Obviously, he had a huge amount of success. Uh, so it's not a knock that, you know, things are working now that in a little different way. But it's just showing you that, you know, different ways can win basketball games. And I think you're seeing WSU's players just playing more freely, uh, more loosely. Uh, you know, the offense just looks way more free. And, uh, you know, that's uh, it's, it's just different than in years past where, you know, Marshall obviously liked to run a lot of half-court sets. You know, he tried to run a lot of things from the sidelines and, um, you know, it, it obviously worked for him, but this way can also work too. And I think uh, IB is, you know, empowering the players. He always talks about how this is their team and not his team. I mean, he always, you know, deflects the attention, never wants to talk about himself. He always, you know, gives credit to, you know, the, the seniors and uh, the, the veterans on this team for being the ones that are, are leading uh, the team on the court. So, I think this is uh, just kind of an example of, you know, how IB is, you know, getting this team to, to rally. And, you know, who would have thought, you know, even, you know, in the first week of the season with all the COVID stuff and, you know, obviously the, the, the drama that happened in the off season for this team to be, you know, on a five game winning streak, uh, you know, winning their first three games on the road. Uh, I mean, pretty impressive stuff from what they've been able to do. And now you look at the AAC standings, you know, it's early, but still, you know, WSU is the last unbeaten team 
and the Americans. So that's, a lot of credit goes to Isaac Brown. Shockers are up to number 84 in Kinpom. They're 61 in the net rankings that just came out today. The one quote that Alteric Gilbert had in your story that I really enjoyed is he's talking about IB and he's just saying he's always talking. He's always, you know, trying to uh, better the situation, trying to let the players know if this happens, this is how we need to react. Now, I do have one request for Shocker Nation particularly these Shocker Facebook groups. After every win, we don't have to say, so now can we remove the interim tag from Coach IB? We've talked about this many times this year. They're going to wait till the end of the season to make a discussion or a decision. We look at last year's team. They were up to, what, number 18 in the country. They have that big home win against Memphis. And then certainly things didn't quite go so well from there. So I love what IB has done. He should absolutely be in the discussion. But we have to stop every single second you know, talking about who the next coach is going to be. The focus needs to be on these guys, the five straight wins they have, and, you know, as we've talked about, maybe raising that ceiling on possibilities of what can happen this season. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I understand it because, you know, you know, fans like to, you know, talk about that, that kind of stuff. And, uh, but I can tell you for sure that this group, I mean, they're not thinking about, you know, that far down the, the, down the road. They're, they're concerned about, you know, this season, what they can achieve this year. And, uh, you know, this is a, a group that um, I think the cohesion is just so much better. I mean, I think uh, maybe a little bit of the egos were involved in last year. Uh, and that, that's kind of why you saw, you know, uh, things kind of fall off a cliff there the second half of the season, just because of the offense, you know, there were a lot of guys who felt like, you know, maybe I should be, you know, the one in the pick and roll. Uh, maybe I, I should be the one with the ball in my hands. I think this year's group, um, you know, they, they just look so much more cohesive out there, and uh, the egos are kind of being put put aside. And I think you heard, you know, Dexter Dennis talk about that a little bit, you know, after the game about just how how much different, you know, the mood is on this team. And obviously, uh, I mean, you have to say, I mean, these were all the same things that were being said about last year's team too. So. Uh, you know, it's all going well and good until, you know, they face adversity. So I guess, I guess you could point that out. But I, I really do think that this year's team is different where, you know, Tyson, I don't think he has to. I mean, I don't think he feels like, hey, I have to score 20 points every game. And, you know, if he keeps scoring like this, teams are going to, you know, send double teams his way. They're going to try to trap him off, uh, you know, pick and rolls and try to get the ball out of his hands. And I think he's uh, he's really ups his ball handling and he's up for that challenge of, of making the right basketball play and finding open uh, players. And I think uh, WSU has enough depth where, you know, they, they can have still an effective offense if Tyson Etienne's not scoring, you know, 17 plus every night. So uh, that's going to be the challenge moving forward. But, you know, a lot of promising signs, obviously, you know, in a, in a five game winning streak with three straight road wins as the underdog. The other thing I like about this team is they can win ugly. If we look at this game against Old Miss, you know, they have 16 turnovers in the game against USF. You know, they're just getting pounded on the glass. They don't always make the smartest basketball play, but they all seem to be able to come together and, and get hot at the right times. Uh, producer Brian and I were talking pre-show, you know, we don't have to worry about uh, when we get to the end of the season them not having a lot of late-game situations because they've, they've had a lot of heroics, a lot of stuff go on already. And just think if Cade Cunningham doesn't hit that three, you take down Oklahoma State, you're 7-1. and one. How different the season might even look then. But uh, just talk a little bit about how, you know, it's not always the prettiest basketball, but they get things done. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you look at this Ole Miss defense, you know, they were top 10 in the country, top 10 on Ken Palm. 
uh, you know, and, uh, you look at the scoring defense, the field goal percentage, you know, we're among the nation's best and, you know, WSU just shredded that defense. I mean, 1.24 points per possession season, best for WSU season, worst for Ole Miss's defense. And they shot 52%. Again, you know, this is a team that was struggling to shoot over 40%. I think they'd only done it once this season. So to shoot 52%, on the road against the top 10 defense really goes to show you just, you know, uh, how well they, they really did play. And then I kind of did a little digging into the numbers and, uh, you know, Ole Miss's defense was really, really good at protecting the basket. And, you know, they're holding opponents to 44% shooting near the basket. It's about 10% uh, lower than the national average. And in the WSU game, WSU finished 14 to 22 shots on the rim. So that's, you know, 64%. So that's, you know, basically 20% over Ole Miss's average. So for for uh, WSU, that was the key to the game, I thought, was just their ability to attack the rim and to finish. And, uh, you know, two of the big guys on that was, you know, Mo Udeze and Dexter Dennis. You know, both of those guys had struggled to finish a lot this season. And uh, Mo had, you know, two dunks. He had a nice finish down low. And then Dexter had those uh, two nice uh, off-the-dribble moves, you know, to start the game in the first, you know, two minutes. So, uh, those two guys were, were key in WSU uh, for, uh, for their success at the rim. And uh, like you said, you know, it doesn't always look pretty, but they just keep finding ways to win. And, you know, that's a testament to, you know, the coaching staff and, and these players. You talk about the players. I, I love the depth they have because, you know, I feel like they're always going to ha- get some good play from Tyson, always going to get a pretty consistent stat line from Al Tariq. But it seems like each week we have or each game we have different guys stepping up in key moments. And think about how young this team still is with, uh, you know, really uh, the, the two seniors. And I know it might even come back for next year, but uh, just really like where the team's at right now. You talk about. You find out about yourself in adversity, though. That's certainly going to come up on Wednesday against the 11th-ranked team in the country, the Houston Cougars. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Joseph Duarte, uh, University of Houston beat writer at the Houston Chronicle, and then we'll have our own breakdown of the game with the Cougars. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll move now into our preview of Wednesday's matchup with Houston. The Cougars are 8-1 and one on the year and 3-1 and one in the AAC. Game tips off at 7 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPN+. Joining us now to help preview the game is University of Houston beat writer Joseph Duarte. Joseph, how are you today? Hey, good, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time. I think all of us in the conference were uh, surprised when Tulsa was able to take down the Cougars last week, 65-64. Then they got right against SMU yesterday, 74-60. to What uh, did you like about their game yesterday against SMU, and then maybe what didn't go so well in the game against Tulsa? Well, you know, Houston's kind of been a, a unique situation this year. You know, just like a lot of schools dealing with, with COVID, they had an outbreak within the program. They really haven't had a lot of team work uh, at the end of November. And they scheduled, uh, the way the schedule set up, they had three conference road games. In a, uh, you know, they haven't been able to work on a lot of things. So yesterday coming in, they, they started how they've basically been doing the last few games, uh, really slow. But what I liked was in the second half, they came out and they looked, a lot more like the Houston basketball team we're used to seeing uh, defense and uh, just rebounding. They they doubled up SMU on the boards. Uh, 
and, and they got some help, and they're going to need that. That's the big thing right now. They're going to need some help scoring. You know, Quentin Grimes was in foul trouble in the first half, comes back and scores 11 in the second half. Marcus Sasser had one of his better games since coming back. And then uh, Justin Gorm has just been a rebound machine. He had 19 uh, against SMU, and I believe it's like 57 in the last five games. So they went back to the things that Houston has been known for and and really what they're going to have to do you know the rest of the season houston was ranked number 11 in the ap poll that was released today currently ranked number nine in kinpom want to talk to you a little bit about caleb mills he was of course the preseason player of the year in the american currently averaging 9.8 points per game that's third on the houston team behind grimes and sasser uh what's the season been like so far for him and uh, have these other guys just been on fire, or do you expect a little bit more production out of Mills as the season goes on? Well, right now, Caleb Mills is taking a leave of absence from the team. He's out indefinitely. Uh, they announced that uh, prior to the SMU game, and uh, essentially it's he's, he's in limbo. Uh, we asked Coach Kelvin Sampson directly uh, whether he expected Mills to play this year or if he is even still on the team, and Sampson said, I don't know. Uh, really it's a combination of, you know, Caleb has dealt with, uh, ankle injuries and he's been slowed by that both ankles. Uh, you know, he was also part of the, uh, the isolation group, uh, with the whole team that was, uh, for COVID. So he's just kind of had a rough year and I think he, he wanted to take a step back. Uh, they've been in contact with the family that the U of H's coaches have been, and they're just going to kind of wait and see, but you know, this is a, a guy that when he's healthy and he's on. Last year, he uh, he averaged nearly 14 points. Was the first freshman to lead the the team and and the scoring and and over you know 30 something years. So uh, when he's on, he's uh, he's a big part of their offense. And not having him uh, is not going to be anything new this year since he's really played uh, very little. But uh, it's certainly a a blow for them. Uh, but they are deep at guard, so that's the one the one plus. But not having him in there. Uh, Sampson considers him his, his best pure uh, pure shooter scorer. Uh, so, you know, they're going to have to make do uh, indefinitely without him. Now, I know football is king in Texas, but I'm just curious about kind of the uh, fan support or the feelings about this UH program right now. Certainly they were number five in the country last week. They lose to, to Tulsa, but still very respectable. So talk a little bit about the support for the program right now and, uh, of course, is the expectation to, to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Well, <laughs> the way the, you know, football football is king here, but, you know, if you ask the fans at Houston, uh, they joke they're a basketball school now based on the results the last five years of the, of the football program. And, you know, we're talking eight and four type seasons, uh, which most schools would like that. It's two losing seasons in a row now, but uh, they, they certainly have uh, uh, basketball has, has taken over at the school brand new for Tita center that opened a couple of years ago. So they, uh, they, uh, Kelvin Sampson really has this program on the upswing. Uh, but the fact that, you know, they're, they're now considered a, a perennial, uh, top 25 team, you know, they've been in the top 10. I've seen a couple of places that have, uh, pegged them as potential final four contenders. So, uh, this is, this is, uh, really different. You know, they haven't seen this type of level of success since the five slamma jamma days in the, in the early to mid eighties. So, uh, you know, what Kelvin Sampson has done here should not be, uh, understated he has completely come in and changed the culture 
And, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that can play with the best of them and, and has been among the winningest schools, you know, over the last five plus years. I know you just had the game yesterday, so maybe haven't been able to look forward to Wednesday's matchup with Wichita State just yet. The Shockers are 2-0 and in conference play, the only remaining school that uh, is undefeated in conference play. Um, from your perspective, if Houston's going to win the game, what do they need to do well? And then if uh, Wichita State's going to have success, what, what kind of uh, different points would be made as, as far as what Houston's not doing so well? Well, it's it's sort of a a, a repeat of, of SMU. You know, Wichita State comes in defensively. Uh, they've been among the the nation's best this year, and, and they don't give a lot up on the, on the threes as well. You know, those are two areas that Houston admits that they're not very good at. They're not a good shooting team. Uh, they uh, they benefit a lot from offensive rebounds, uh, and they benefit from second chance points. So they're going to have to continue that. Uh, they're going to have to get those balls underneath and get, and get the people involved. You know, in, in the SMU game, uh, Bryson Gresham is there, is is and Reggie Cheney are there, really their two guys uh, uh, underneath the basket, and they've got to get those guys involved uh, and and then just kind of do what they do. The you know defensively, uh, you've seen as they as they kind of gotten back into basketball shape that they're they're going to be tough every night on defense. Uh, I think with uh, Tyson, uh, I don't know how you say it. is it Etienne. Anthony? What was that again? I'm sorry, Etienne. Etienne. Okay, I think uh, you know coming off the game that he had against Ole Miss, you, you're going to have to you know, count for him. And you know they're they're familiar with uh, with Altery Gilbert from his days at at UConn, and you know and and whether it's Greg Marshall or Isaac Brown, uh, Houston Houston knows that you know Wichita State is is always going to be a a tough game, uh, and you know they played well on the road this year. So certainly not a game that they're going to take lightly. But I think it's, it's going to start with getting those, uh, getting those rebounds, uh, getting those second chance points, and then from an offensive standpoint, you gotta you gotta get some some help. You know, Dejan Giroux, uh I thought had a good second half for for Houston and, and complimented Quentin Grimes. And if you have Grimes, Jarreau, and Sasser uh, at the guard position playing well and, and scoring. Houston should be in every game uh, that they play, but you know that hasn't been the case uh, for the last you know few weeks because of, of everybody still coming back and getting into shape. But you know that they're they're, they're going to need to do it, and and the fact that they have now a long stretch of home games, uh, this would be the time to do it. The two games between the Shockers and the Cougars last season weren't particularly close. It'll be interesting to see how Wednesday's matchup turns out. We do appreciate you taking the time. Our readers can uh, follow Joseph's work at the Houston Chronicle. You can also follow him on Twitter at Joseph underscore Duarte. Thank you. No, thanks for having me on. We'll move now into our own preview of Wednesday's matchup with Houston. As I mentioned, they are 8-1 and on the year, 3-1 and in the AAC. They best win of the year is against Texas Tech. They beat them 64-53. They also took down SMU this past Sunday, 74-60. And, of course, they lost last week at Tulsa, 65-64. The Cougars will visit Wichita on February 25th. Taylor, we got the news with uh, Joseph just now that Caleb Mills is currently not with the team, but certainly still going to be a tough matchup for the Shockers. Yeah, and I mean, you look at what Mills was actually doing this season. Yes, he was, you know, the AAC preseason player of the year, but I mean, he was only averaging, you know, 9.8 points, uh, not a lot of else. So, I mean, it's not a, you know, a tremendous loss for a Houston 
uh, Quentin Grimes is actually playing much better this season, more like an AAC player of the year. You know, he's averaging almost 18.7 rebounds from, you know, playing that three, three spot in their lineup. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a tough matchup. And, uh, you know, same thing uh, that we've come to expect from Houston, uh, you know, these past three seasons is, you know, they're not going to shoot a great percentage, but they're going to rebound the hell out of the ball. And, you know, keeping them off the offensive glass is going to be a huge problem for WSU. I mean, that's been one of their biggest weaknesses all season. And that's what Houston does best is, you know, they it seems like they, they miss a lot of jump shots. And then they just, you know, crash the glass and go get their own rebound and put it back up and, and score. So that's going to be a huge challenge. And uh, I mentioned earlier that WSU centers had combined for one rebound, one defensive rebound against Ole Miss in 40 minutes. So, you know, that's that's going to have to change. And we've been talking about it all season. And WSU just still keeps finding ways to win. But, you know, they can make it a lot easier on themselves if, you know, these centers start to, to get more involved in rebounding. And, uh, you know, the biggest challenge yet is going to be Houston because, you know, they're they're big guys. You know, they don't score a ton of points, but, you know, they really, really uh, crash the glass. And they're going to be a tough matchup. And then, obviously, with Kelvin Sampson, you know, the defense is always going to be good. You know, always, you know, top uh, 20 in the country. So, uh, scoring against them is going to be a really – uh, big challenge and then obviously keeping them off the offensive glass so you know they were the you, you know pretty much the unanimous favorite coming into the season for a reason I don't think it's a must-win game you know this is probably one that uh, you know a lot of you know if you're going to win the conference you know you're going to take you know three or four losses so losing at Houston you know no shame about it but still you know if the WSU Shockers can you know steal one like this on the road That'd be a huge start to the conference season to be able to pick up three road wins to start the conference play all against teams that were picked above the UFSO. Uh, huge. It's kind of like one of those games where, you know, WSU doesn't have a lot to lose going into it. They can play freely. You know, they're going to be the underdogs Wednesday. Playing with house money for sure. The Cougars score 73.7 points per game and they allow 56.3. You talked about the rebounding. They're plus nine in rebounding margin. Another big key, they're averaging 9.2 steals per game. So we just saw the Shockers have 16 turnovers against Old Miss. How the guards play in this game will really probably determine the outcome. Yeah, and uh, Houston's defense, they're known for... Uh, you know, their monster trap, which is when every time, you know, the, the centers get a touch, uh, you know, as a, as a post up, they always send the second defender uh, his way and, and double team him. You know, Udeze's kind of had a, a few problems this season passing out of double teams. And uh, Houston, you know, they, they run this defense better than anybody. So that's going to be a huge challenge. Uh, makes me wonder if uh, WSU might just, you know, kind of, uh, play small ball this this game and and just put five you know Trey Wade at center and play with five or four other guards so that'll be something to monitor and yeah they're gonna have to take the ball take care of the ball a little bit better than they did against Ole Miss I thought the first half you know they really really struggled with you know just bad turnovers that were leading directly to uh, points you know atomic bombs is what you know Greg Marshall called those I think they had like three or four it seemed like uh in that first half, it got, you know, they cleaned it up a little bit better the second half, but still, you know, that's how Houston's offense runs. You know, uh, I was just looking on Ken Palm right now, you know, they're 254th in the country, 254 in effective field goal percentage. So they're not, you know, they do not rely on making shots. They rely on offensive rebounds 
and they rely on, you know, forcing turnovers and getting easy runouts. So, you know, the more that WSU can limit those opportunities, those easy chances for Houston and make them work for it, you know, the, the better the chances WSU has uh, at winning this game. Houston shoots at 40% from the field and 30% from three. Six-five junior guard Quentin Grimes is averaging 17.7 points per game. The game will feature actually number two versus number four in the conference in scoring. Quentin Grimes, number two, at 17.7. Tyson Etienne at number four at 17 points per game. Also have to watch out for Marcus Sasser at 15.3 points per game. What's the biggest key to the game, in your opinion, for the Shockers? Yeah, I think uh, it, it's really just going to come down to defensive rebounding. I think uh, that's that's probably it on the defensive end is just uh, how well Trey Wade, Morshew Deze, Isaiah Porter, Chandler, guys like that are able to box out. You know, uh, Monty Jackson came in. Uh, he's a, you know, a tremendous motor and he really chases the ball, but, you know, he's a first year player in division one. I think he kind of struggles at times with the fundamentals, you know, making sure he's boxing out every single time. I mean, uh, rewatching the film at Ole Miss. I mean, I kind of noticed a few times where, uh, you know, he just turns his head and, and doesn't box out and, you know, his man gets offensive rebounds. So, um, he's going to have to be better. Like I said, the WSU centers are going to have to be better and, uh, that's that's the biggest key on defense, and then on offense, I think it's just you know uh, running their stuff. You know, Houston has really kind of gotten into WSU and taken them out of you know the, the sets that they really wanted to run. They just made them look you know uncomfortable pretty much every game. Uh, you know, in the last I think the uh, last five games, I think they've uh, they've lost against the Cougars, and you know, just about every one of them, WSU has looked really uncomfortable on the offensive end. So. I think uh, this new freer offensive system where it's not as reliant on, you know, running sets, maybe that, that will, you know, lead to more success against a defense like Houston because WSU's players have a little more leeway with, you know, what they can do. And a guy like Altry Gilbert, I think he can break down that defense. I would imagine, you know, Jarreau is probably going to be on him. Uh, he's going to have the length advantage on Altariq. But, you know, if Altariq can break him down, and, you know, create help defense situations for kickouts to, you know, Dexter Dennis, Trey Wade, Tyson Etienne, guys like that. You know, the shots are going to be there, I think, for WSU. So it's just going to be a matter of, you know, if they can, uh, you know, make them from the perimeter. I think that's that's the key on offense is just, you know, making making and taking good shots, and uh, that, that, that'll be the keys for the game for WSU. You talk about playing with house money. I just want them to be competitive. You know, you can earn some respect in this game even if you lose. The two games last season were not competitive. By about the second media timeout of the first half, you're saying, you know, what what are we doing here? I mean, they, they just made Wichita State, uh, you know, look completely out of sorts on both occasions, at least last season. You'll have some of those same players uh, on this game on Wednesday. It's time to show them it's a, a little different type of basketball, or maybe they're a little bit more serious about being in this conference race. Yeah, and I think uh, it just, it, I think just the way that they matched up, you know, these last three seasons, you know, just the way that Houston runs its system is just not a good matchup for what WSU was doing. Uh, and like I said, you know, under IB, you know, the offense has kind of become less re- reliant on, you know, set plays. Uh, they're still running sets, but it's just not as much. You know, it's a lot more dribble drive and, you know, just uh, giving guys the freedom to, you know, take their guy off the dribble. And I think you're seeing, you know, Altariq Gilbert do that. And, uh, you know, Dexter Dennis is getting a little bit better at it. And then obviously Tyson at the end, you know, you can just put the ball 
in his hands and let him create out of a pick and roll. And he's gotten a lot better, you know, at finishing at the rim. And, uh, you know, his, his shooting is actually not that, you know, compared to last season, he's shooting a little bit worse than he did last year. So I think that's even cause for optimism that, that his numbers could even go up higher because, you know, he's not making the the percentage of catch and shoot looks that he was last season. So, you know, if those numbers go up, you know, I think he can even, you know, find a little bit of a level up in his game too. So, um, yeah, there's optimism going into this game. It's going to be curious. I'm curious to see how uh, this offense is going to look against that defense because, you know, they make a lot of people look uncomfortable. And, you know, if you watch that game against SMU this weekend, you know, that was that's a high octane attack that SMU has, and they held them to, you know, 60 points on their home floor and one by 14. So, uh, it's a huge challenge for WSU, but, you know, it can be done. You know, Tulsa beat them in their their home arena earlier this season. So WSU is just going to have to play a good defensive game and then hope it makes enough shots to, to stay in this one. Wichita State returns home on Sunday for a 3 o'clock game against Cincinnati. The game will be broadcast on ESPN2. I don't know about you, Taylor, but I had to have to think that Cincinnati's the biggest surprise in the conference so far. They come in at 2-6 and six and at 0-3 oh in conference play. They're picked fourth in the preseason AAC poll, but they've now lost five straight, and they play SMU on Thursday before coming to Wichita. So what do you think? What's been going on with this Bearcat team? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the post-Jaron Cumberland era, and, uh, you know, they're really struggling right now, and uh, I think there's there's some disarray, you know, if you follow their roster. I mean, they lost, you know, a pretty key player off that team who left the program, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of facing uh, a lot of adversity, and it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and it's not going to get any easier for them because, you know, they play at SMU on Thursday, so that's a really, really tough game, so... I mean, they're they're probably going to be 0-4 going into Wichita this uh, this weekend, and you know WSU they're obviously going to be coming off a tough game at Houston, so they're going to be uh, looking to you know protect their home court. This is going to be their first home home conference game, so that's a really really tough start to the conference season for Cincinnati. And uh, you know the biggest difference is just you know the, the offense. You know they are just uh, they. They have just cratered on their three-point shooting. Uh, you know, they're bottom 30 in the country. They're only making 26% of their threes. Uh, you know, they're they're not shooting well from the line. They're turning the ball over a lot. So, you know, that's been the biggest difference for them is just the, the decline in offense. And, you know, you can't put the ball in Jaron Cumberland's hands and just, you know, let him create on his own like they, they've been able to the last three seasons. So I think uh, life after him uh, – they're kind of, you know, experiencing some bumps and bruises, but still, you know, this is a talented team. I think John Brandon is a good coach. So, I mean, they're, they're going to be dangerous. So you can't look at the record. I mean, you have to look at the talent that is on that team. So uh, not one to overlook for the Shockers. I mean, they're, they're still going to have to play well this weekend, but I think they'll be up for the challenge. You know, like I said, first home game of the conference season. Uh, hopefully, I mean, there'll be, uh, uh, I don't know if they've announced how many, the percent of fans that are going to be allowed yet, but, you know, hopefully there can be a good percentage of fans at Coke Arena. They can kind of have that, that first home court feel to a game this season. So I think WSU is going to be up and, and ready to play for that one. I think they're up to 15% now. Maybe that'll change before the game on Sunday, but I, I think they've increased it by, it seems like, 5% each time. So now we've got, you know, 1,500, 1,600 people that can get, be in there, and I think it makes some noise. They impact the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, yeah, I think they have been announcing it before each game. It, it does seem to be going up every time. So, yeah, who knows if it'll be 15, 20% for that game. But, um, like we've talked about, you know, this, uh, this home court advantage, uh, has kind of been lost this season because of, you know, the limited attendance. And that's affected WSU probably the most in the, the conference. So, you know, the more fans that WSU can pack in the Coke Arena, you know, the better for them, the more home court advantage that they will have. So, I'm sure soccer fans are would love to cheer on this team and uh, cheer on you know Tyson Etienne the season he's having and uh, you know uh, help this team uh, onto a victory because I think the the rivalry against Cincinnati has kind of been one sided so you know if they can get back in the winning column against them that's going to be uh, big because I don't think uh, WSU has beat them at home since uh, they joined the Americans so. Uh, that, that's going to be a big challenge for them. And they've lost so many close games to Cincinnati these last couple of years. It seems like it always comes down to the last possession. And you're right. It's always been going in Cincinnati's favor. So the fact that they're kind of down right now, you know, certainly a good team. Keith Williams is averaging 15.5 points per game. They've got some athletes on the team. But it would be so nice to get healthy and, you know, go out and just win one by 15 or something like that and kind of get some of those demons out. Really have the opportunity twice because if you remember, they beat Houston uh, that first home game when they joined the conference, but has not looked good at all against Houston since then. And the same with Cincinnati. They had the big win in Cincinnati a couple of seasons ago. But, uh, uh, you know, if and I know Wichita State fans do, we think that we can go out and compete in the American just like they did in the Valley. They think they're, you know, a higher-tier basketball program, which they absolutely are. But at some point, if you're going to do that, you got to go out and beat these schools. you got to go out and beat the Memphises of the world and take care of business. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, if you want to be included in that conversation, you know, at some point you're going to have to start winning those games. And, and really, I mean, WSU has been very, very solid since it joined the American. But, you know, that is also true that, you know, especially the last two seasons, they, they really haven't had, uh, you know, too many marquee wins. So uh, if you're going to get in that conversation this season, you know, winning at Houston will certainly get them in the conversation about that. Um, and I think they're catching Cincinnati at a, at a good time because I think the Cincinnati team, um, you know, odds are they're going to figure it out. So, um, but, you know, catching them right now, I mean, they're probably going to lose at SMU. I mean, at least they're, they're going to be, you know, pretty big underdogs going into that game. So if you catch them 0-4 at the tail end of a road trip, you know, their, their spirits are probably going to be, you know, kind of teetering. So I think WSU has a chance to, to be catching them at the right time. Uh, because this is a really tough start to the conference schedule for WSU too, because you know they go at Houston against Cincinnati, Tulsa again at SMU at Memphis, and then uh, South Florida, and then at Cincinnati. So um, and then UCF after that. So you know those are some really talented basketball teams. Definitely the the, fr- the first half of the conference schedule definitely seems to be really really tough. So if they can come out of here with a solid record. I think the Shockers have a pretty nice chance of, of making a nice run in February uh, in the back half of that conference schedule because that's when you catch East Carolina twice and Tulane twice. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, we talked a little bit about they're increasing the number of fans at each game, looking at 15% potentially for this game uh, coming up against Cincinnati. Really, this is the first home game of consequence since the Oklahoma State game. We've had a couple uh, non-D1 opponents the last two home games. Not a lot for fans that could be in attendance to get excited about. 
So buy or sell with this game against Cincinnati and onward, we're going to start seeing the number of fans have an influence on the game. You're going to start to see the energy pick up just from the arena. Taylor, let's start with you. Yeah, I'll buy that. I think, uh, like you said, I mean, WSU fans haven't really had a much of a chance to really get into a game. You know, Emporia State and Newman were, were too over. I mean, those games were over, you know, by the first uh, media timeout. So um, I think this game, uh, you know, everyone, it seems like Cincinnati is definitely one of the top rivals since WSU has joined the Americans. So I think people are going to be fired up about this game. Uh, you know, they're going to be fired up regardless just because of the good start. Uh, to the season and you know especially if they win on Wednesday you know they come in with a you know if they come in with a six game winning streak three and oh in the conference I think uh, Coke Arena has a chance to be uh, you know as crazy as it can be for the limited capacity on uh, on Sunday so we'll just have to see what percentage they allow in but I do think that uh, you're going to hear more WSU fan or you're going to hear WSU fans more than you did those first two home games. I'm going to buy that as well. It's also, I think, the timing. You know, it's 3 p.m. on a Sunday. you got NFL playoffs this weekend. But if you're a true basketball fan, you want to be inside a Coke Arena cheering on these guys. And uh, the one thing I find interesting, Cincinnati played at Tennessee earlier this year, and there was like seven or 8,000 fans at that game. So there's such a discrepancy when you look at the attendance numbers. I think there was about 800 that watched them play uh, Wichita State versus Old Miss this past weekend. But I'd like to see that number keep trending up, and, and certainly once you get – you know, 20, 30 percent in there, they, they can make enough noise to have an impact. We've talked a little bit about the rebounding, certainly only getting one rebound out of your five position against Ole Miss. Not good, but you did win the rebounding battle, which we mentioned. So, you know, it's it's kind of this teetering point. You know, we've talked about a lot of rebounding is effort. Some of it's athleticism and maybe a little bit of strategy. We've talked about guards swooping down to, to pick up rebounds that, that the bigs box out for. Um, but buy or sell, do you see Wichita State finishing the season as a plus rebounding team? I'm going to buy that. I don't know where the stats are right now, but you know, as Taylor mentioned, the back half of the conference schedule gets a little easier. I would throw Temple in that mix as well as you know a team that Wichita State should be able to have some success against, and uh, you know. I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here that the five position is probably the weakest on the, the team right now, but hopefully those guys will continue to make improvement. You have Bilal that might continue, you know, if he can get right from an injury perspective, see some more minutes. But uh, I, I do think that trends in the right direction and it is positive. Yeah, I'll, I think I'm going to sell that. I think uh, this is a probably, it's not a, you know, I don't think they were ever going to be a great rebounding team. They probably dipped a little. Um, without Coach Marshall, just because, I mean, it just seemed like no matter what, you know, the way he ran practices, the way he, you know, held players accountable, they were going to be, you know, at least a good rebounding team. Um, so I think that, that's a little bit different without him in the picture now. I think they're going to be closer just, you know, coming out even. You know, they've been a pretty good offensive rebounding team this year, but they've been a really, really bad defensive rebounding team. And, um, you know, yes, they won the total rebound battle, but uh, Ole Miss actually had six more offensive rebounds. So they, they actually rebounded at a higher percentage on the offensive glass. So um, I think that's just going to be the case a lot this season. Um, so I, I think they're going to be closer to just uh, coming out even. And it's going to be different than, you know, in years past. But I think for this WSU team, they don't have to rely on that as much as they did in the past. I think they can win in other ways. All right. We know that in the next two weeks, we're going to know a lot about this team. Some difficult road games coming up ahead. So 
to me, this buy or sell is really only fun before you get the results of those games. So buy or sell, Wichita State is a top four conference finish this season. Taylor, we'll go to you. I'm going to buy that just because of, uh, you know, the, the start that they've had and to get two road wins uh, against two teams that I thought could have been top four teams, you, you know, Tulsa and South Florida, uh, that's huge. So um, they're off to a good start. And uh, like you said, I mean, this, this upcoming stretch is going to tell a lot about this team. But um, I think Houston, SMU is probably what I would go for one, two. And then uh, after that, I think WSU, I mean, and, you know, we might be having a different conversation after Wednesday if WSU wins on the road at Houston. But I think for now, I mean, I think WSU can can definitely feel like they can be a top three team. Uh, so I think the I think they can fall in, you know, that three, four range. You know, that would probably take about, you know, 12 wins would, would be what I would imagine, 12, 13 wins. So that sounds doable for WSU. So I think they can get top four for sure. I'm going to buy that as well. And I think Wichita State fans as a whole are really buying into this team. You saw all the tweets and excitement about uh, these guys afterwards. Now you see the video of them in the locker room and it just gets you even more excited. And so uh, I, I think fourth is about right there. You know, maybe they, they do a little bit better than that, but I, I, I could see them finishing right about fourth. All right, and finally, yeah, especially with how, how poor Cincinnati has looked and Memphis, I mean, they've kind of looked just discombobulated. So those those two teams we thought would be in that mix. So I think WSU has kind of leapfrogged them, and so I think that's like to kind of add to my answer. I think uh, with those two playing not up to their potential and WSU over exceeding, I think uh, I think that's what puts them in that top four mix. Finally, we have talked about the differences in Isaac Brown's coaching style, and we've seen, you know, really key plays down the stretch, clutch plays from guys like Trey Wade, Dexter Dennis. You're seeing Tyson Etienne shooting from the logo with confidence, no hesitation. You know, quick shots in transition. So buy or sell, and we'll start with with you, Dustin. Is this coaching from Isaac Brown that we've seen in the early season really giving these guys confidence, that he's just breeding confidence into them, and that's helping them have confidence to take those quick shots? They've got this green light all the time, and it's allowing them to get through some of those struggles. You see you know, Trey Wade and Dexter Dennis make key shots without hesitation. They're not worried about percentages. They're just shooting when they're open because it's time for them to make a shot, and they're hitting them. Are we seeing that coaching style have an influence on on them getting out of their slumps. I'm going to buy that, and I think you just have to look at the quotes that Taylor had in his story after the old Miss game to you know to kind of support that or understand that they they feel free to go out and try and make basketball plays. Now I'll say some of these shots you're like no no no, and then you say yes as soon as it goes in, but that can work the opposite way as well. Uh, you know I, I think they still need to you know have a flow to the offense. I think also Altariq is uh, what kind of breeds this in everyone just because as a point guard who can kind of go off the dribble, who can create his own shot, that creates opportunities for others as well. Um, so I, I will buy that with the caveat that uh, they still do some things that kind of make you scratch your head. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll buy that too. And uh, like Dustin mentioned, uh, you know, the quotes from the locker room after that game uh, kind of support that. You know, Dexter Dennis and Altry Gilbert both said, that, you know, IB is giving them confidence to, to you know, play through their struggles, uh, to not, you know, look over their shoulder after every mistake and, and you know, be scared that, you know, they're going to come out of the game. And IB said that, 
you know, if you're in the game, I want you taking shots. So, you know, if you're wide open, let it fly. I'm not worried about, you know, makes and misses. I just want you taking wide open shots and, you know, let the rest kind of take care of itself. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the IB effect right there. And, uh, uh, you're, you're seeing, uh, his different style kind of pay dividends and, um, who knows what it would have been like, you know, with the old coaching coach, uh, here, but I think, uh, you have to give credit to IB for, for doing a really good job, uh, really tough, uh, ask, I mean, to, with all the COVID problems they had to start the season, uh, like I said, obviously the, the off season drama they had to deal with. I mean, this team has been through a lot of adversity already. And, uh, I mean, you got to give them a lot of credit for sticking together and playing, uh, you know, cohesive basketball and, and finding ways that, you know, support each other and really lift each other up. And I think you're, you're seeing, uh, kind of like, you know, the, those videos they posted in the locker room afterward. I mean, these guys are genuinely happy for each other. And, uh, you know, these guys, uh, love each other, love the, love the team, love the coaches. So, um, I think that makes a difference and just that, um, you know, that Trey Wade shot, you know, he was, it wasn't like he was open, but he wasn't, you know, completely wide open. And I'm not sure, you know, down one with him shooting that percentage. I'm sure that was probably one of those shots that Dustin said, you know, a lot of WSU fans were like, no, no, no. And then it goes in, but you know, Trey Wade did not hesitate. He let it fly and you know, he's just following what IB tells him. So I don't think that shot goes in you know, unless IB is, you know, giving him the green light and instilling confidence in him. And uh, he had the confidence to, to take that shot and step up and make it. So um, I think that IB is definitely a, a factor in all that. And what I what I really liked about that stretch down, down towards the end of that game against Ole Miss, obviously Tyson's having a phenomenal game, but lots of other guys were making clutch plays, getting to the rim and getting and ones getting in and creating help situations and dishing to poor bear Chandler for an and one. So like multiple guys are making key plays throughout it. And, you know, once a team like Ole Miss is doing everything they can to take away Etienne, you've got other guys who have that confidence to step up and make a play. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I mean, this isn't just a, you know, one man show. I think Tyson, uh, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot down the stretch. So is Alter E. Gilbert, but you know, those guys are more than capable of creating for others. And then, you know, the other three guys on the court, you know, WSU has to feel really good about its depth and its options with, you know, the starters and guys like Monzi and Craig Porter and Ricky Council coming off the bench. So they feel like they have, you know, a lot of guys that can score, score the basketball for them. So, um, and like we talked about, you know, Dexter's shooting percentages, I think they're, they're going to bounce back, you know, Trey Wade's shooting percentages, uh, going to bounce back from the outside. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this WSU team. Um, but you know, these next few games are, are obviously going to tell a lot because, you know, there, there's no break. I mean, there, these are going to be a lot of close games. I think that trend is going to continue for, for just about the next month. I've always said Wichita State does better when they're hunter, not the hunted. I think they'll have the full attention of Houston on Wednesday and, uh, you know, uh, certainly a Cincinnati team coming in that has some talent as well. So as you talked about, a, a big week, and, and we'll be back to uh, cover it all next week and get you ready for the next game against Tulsa. Our thanks to University of Houston beat writer Joseph Dorte for joining the show today. We'll, as I mentioned, be back next week to get you ready for more Shocker Hoops. And, Taylor, what should our listeners do? Got a rate of five stars. 
This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.